Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Welcome to the Payments Podcast. This episode is called The Rise of the Connected Financial Officer. You know, the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer, is no longer the executive that sweats over spreadsheets and holds up in the office until late hours trying to make sense of the money coming in and the money going out. The CFO is now the connected financial officer. The responsibilities and crucial function of finance have not been diminished with this change. In fact, it has been enhanced. Today, the CFO connects to C-level peers, allied departments within the company and to partners. All of this is enabled by the connection to digital transformation, which has made corporates more agile and accurate in liquidity and cash management. Now with the Association for Financial Professionals Conference in the books, We've invited two of our executives to add some perspective to the event and the changes coming for the new CFO. Hi, my name is John Gaffney. I'll be hosting today's Payments Podcast. Today, we are joined by Tracy Kantrowitz, who is the Vice President of Marketing for Treasury at Bottom Line. Welcome, Tracy. And Paul McMeekin, who is the VP of Solutions Marketing and Channel Enablement at Bottom Line. Tracy has been a senior exec at several financial firms during her career and was most recently chief marketing officer at Treasury Express. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, John. Paul Paul has also been a marketing leader in the fintech tech space for more than a decade. He also serves as an adjunct professor at the University of Omaha, where he gives a real-life view of marketing and business to future business leaders. Welcome, Paul. So let's start by going to the to, to the AFP conference, which uh, I know you guys both att- attended. Um, I'd like to get a sense of the energy at at the event, um, as well as some of the concerns of the attendees. Tracy, how was the energy in your perspective at the show? Hi, John. Hi, Paul. Um, glad to be starting with the AFP conference because, quite honestly, it was it was it was such a wonderful experience, especially after the nearly two years that we've all had. Um, being remote. So the energy was wonderful. There was great excitement um, in, you know, throughout the conference being face to face again. Um, One of the things I'd also like to call out um, for AFP and give them some kudos is that they did a hybrid um, program this year. And I think that that was really well done on their part um, to be able to offer options for all the different personal situations um, for, for all the participants in the industry. So again, well done to them. From a live perspective, um, it was very clear that the that those who attended in person were there with purpose, I feel, um, to really be able to interact and, and to learn from each other, from both a peer perspective, but also just to see what's going on in the industry um, in the past few years of, of virtual learning for some of these conferences. It is very much a one-dimensional experience. Um, so I think um, there was a lot of energy with everyone being able to to interact with each other. And um, I know that some of your concerns that you heard from um, from some of the attendees had to do with three things, liquidity, speed, and data. Could you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, you know, we had some great conversations, sat in a lot of wonderful, um, very, very eye-opening sessions. And you know, there was one core theme that we'll we'll talk about in a second, but the practical, the key practical areas that you just mentioned 
um, liquidity, speed, and data kind of rolled up to, to an overarching theme that, that was very apparent um, from my perspective. And that resounding theme that we heard from the corporates was really to increase agility in being able to respond to a new crisis, um, you know, the next crisis that's around the corner. Um, and as I mentioned, all of these three things play um, a role into being to achieving that preparedness, being able to to be that responsive. Um, you even mentioned in your introduction, you know, corporates are are looking or have become um, more agile and more accurate in their in their day-to-day financial management. So these key areas, you know, certainly contribute to being able to achieve that goal. Paul, so Tracy was uh, was talking about the energy at the AFP conference and and some of the concerns which were for her from her perspective around liquidity, speed, and data. Um, your observations of AFP. Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, you know, total agreement with Tracy. High energy uh, attendance was a little bit lighter than previous years, but as Tracy said, people were there with with a purpose. It was great to be back in person, uh, meeting, greeting people, and uh, it, it was a, a thoroughly enjoyable experience. And so, to your to your question, I think there's probably three main takeaways for me from a from a bank slash corporate perspective, and I use that intentionally. Um, I think there's a, a crossover between what banks are asking uh, on behalf of their customers and what customers are asking their banks. A, a lot of good, and I hate the word synergy, um, but a lot of good synergy between the wants and needs of the customers and the way banks are thinking, more like technology partners. And so um, sticking on that theme of technology partners, the, the, the banks are really thinking about embedded finance. How do they offer finance and financial services and tools and payment tools to their, to their customers all in, in, in a neat, tied up ball in, in one single offering? What we saw was um, a, a move towards an ecosystem. And so in years past, the talk has been about a, 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 an ecosystem. Um, but it's really single-threaded about multi, multiple partners, multiple single points of contact, where now it's a, them, the bank, stitching together um, a fault offering, having their partners work working with and for each other, and with all with the ultimate goal of providing a better service to the end user, providing better service to the customer. In, in one example, um, a bank was telling us that Hey, you know, we're using your AP automation tools, and because of that, and because of the value we're driving them, we can offer a better commercial value at better rates on their commercial loans as well. So I think it's taking this all-encompassing view um, of what the customer wants, pulling multiple providers together to create that ecosystem for the bank. And and the third trend, which was in every single conversation, was fraud and security. So, Paul, another question for you or an observation. I, I know when I spoke to you um, after the conference, you said that banks seem to be more fluid, fluent in technology, not fluid, and that there was a better, a better understanding of, of digital transformation. That would seem to be a very important development if there's more crossover between banks and corporates. So would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Getting the conversations I had have moved beyond, this is not just AFP, this is the last probably 18 months, moved beyond of like, hey, let's 
to use that really bad term, let's stick lipstick on a pig and call it digital transformation. Let's put a new UI on there. And people are really thinking through of, you know, it is, yes, it's the cool and sexy UI, but it's it's that those backend processes, so digital transformation is not just the what the end user sees, but everything before that. Going from 15 steps in a process and using technology, digitizing check payments, digitizing invoices, down to three steps. So rethinking not just like the end the end part of like, hey, we have this cool and sexy UI where you can check your bank account balance, but all those things before that of having that payment gone to the bank account, rethinking and reimagining what those processes can be. And so in 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 the banks I spoke to were really focused on the their customer outcomes of, hey, if if we have a customer focus on automation, how do we best get how do, how do we best get them to 100% digital payments, for example? So banks have a playbook for their customers, and uh, and they really understand of uh, their customers' outcomes and how they can help them take them on 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 the journey, John. Thanks. You know, Tracy, you've been. Uh, living, breathing, and and conducting your career in a, in a period of great change in terms of treasury transformation. Um, we've gone from automation to cash management. Um, the trend that seems to be most impactful, though, is real-time treasury. Could you explain first what that is? And second, how do you think it would affect both banks and corporates? John, you're right on um, about that. that Treasury needs to be conducted um, more instantaneous, more um, real time or in an always on approach. Um, and that's kind of goes back to what we were saying before about the, the need for agility, right? And, and the need for accuracy in, in being able to respond to a crisis or to be able to manage to avoid um, volatility and crisis. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about real time. And, and it goes back to those three areas that we mentioned, right? Liquidity, speed, and data, all of that in real time. From a liquidity perspective during the crisis, you know, access, knowing where your cash was, having access to additional liquidity, that was paramount, right? Either by re companies reserving cash, getting their receivables in, or leveraging, you know, some of the banking products and, and instruments um, that would allow them to access more um, you know, more methods, more means of liquidity. And corporates had had that visibility to, 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 to be able to know those positions and to be able to access it. And that goes directly into the speed or the concept of, of real time. Um, in order to keep businesses volatility proof, um, you know, or instant in, in that always on um, capabilities of, of managing treasury, like I mentioned, that visibility into the cash positions um, is really, really required to understand what the financial health is of the business, um, not just once a week, not even just once a day. The, the days of being able to, you know, of, of being able to deal with um, status quo manual processes of, you know, having to take half a day to, to get your cash position um, is, is gone. Right, uh, old data is is accurate data. So it's very important that in terms of being able to have visibility into the into liquidity, um, vis visibility into your cash positions, um, and being able to make decisions is is key. We saw, you know, just working with with some customers, 
um, before the pandemic, they would be able to do their cash position once a week, once a month, you know, once once a day, as I mentioned. Um, but that was no no longer the case, right? They were running it instead of four times a week, they were running it four times a day. Um, and the inputs that were required to really get that accurate picture of their position expanded as well. Um, and that brings us to kind of the data element of it, right? There's been this convergence in order to be able to get a full comprehensive understanding of the positions, right? The answer to being able to manage that financial health is found in the data, right? Again, looking back at that customer that, that I mentioned, they were, they were trying to achieve the position four times a day, but they also expanded it from three different inputs of various data with financial data within the business to about 17 different inputs. So the complexity of, of achieving that um, you know, that position was much more complex, right? The answer to, to all of these questions um, that a CEO or CFO would have in terms of the financial health and, and, and position, it's found in the banks, it's found in the ERPs, right? In the accounts receivable systems and everywhere. So without having that integrated um, access to data in a very quick and real time way, um, it makes it almost impossible to be able to, to um, derive the right decisions and to understand which actions um, need, to, need to take place in the business. And that kind of brings us to you know, the, the next question, um, that, the next part of your question that you mentioned in terms of what are the banks doing to, see, to, to address this? I would say um, the AFP experience was really great, was, was a great research and validation experience in, in my opinion. You know, we've been speaking anecdotally and working closely with customers, hearing some of their challenges in terms of what their real needs are. And I think Paul hit it on, on the head where, you know, it's taking it down, right, getting a real practical look and, you know, digital transformation. It has been a buzzword. It will continue to be a buzzword if the, if the support system for corporates don't take action and, and make you know, take a practical approach to being able to support them. And really what we heard at AFP, what we've been hearing from customers is that transformation is real. Um, it is top of mind, but from a big epic, you know, undertaking perspective, it's just not possible. So what, what corporates are really looking for are pragmatic, um, they're looking to create strategies to transform very pragmatically or incrementally. And that's where we're seeing banks and technology providers, such as Bottom Line, um, really trying to align with that. We have all these wonderful ideas of, of innovation and we get excited for you know, products that we could launch, but unless the, the corporate who would benefit from it, it's realistic for them to achieve and implement, it's just not, um, it's just not feasible. And we're seeing some of the, you know, some examples that we're seeing, you know, we mentioned liquidity. Banks are doing a wonderful job right now, really trying to very um, realistically um, align, like I said, to, to those corporate needs, right? We're seeing a lot more banks um, investing in liquidity services and coming up with those types of solutions um, where they're working with technology providers, um, TMS providers, you know, such as ourselves in, in particular, where they're trying to embed and create a centralized repository for different financial instruments, different you know short-term investments that the treasurer right or, or the corporate finance leader 
could really take advantage of once they have their visibility, um, once they've been able to move their money around, make the right decisions and decide that they need to execute that um, those those uh, liquidity solutions are right at the fingertips of many corporates because that's where banks are are really um, starting to invest in. Right. Um, Paul mentioned the ecosystem. It's really been a priority for the banks and the and the um, fintech providers to create an experience of centralization and instant real time access for for everyone. And that's why we're starting to see not only just on the bank side, but the the ecosystems. Right. Um, Paul mentioned embedded finance. Right. And it's almost, you know, embedded transformation that a lot of the technology providers are, are really trying to incorporate in their strategies. Right. Whether it's that instant access to liquidity, whether it's, um, you know, being able to use APIs, um, being able to create seamless experiences that allow um, that allow treasury teams to work further um, and faster with other parts of finance. We're seeing, you know, even even in our own strategy on bottom line, um, you know, from the bottom line side, we're seeing more um, focus on incorporating and unifying accounts payable um, automation or accounts receivable um, technology and capabilities into core treasury management systems um, because this is this is the experience that's really going to create that unified approach. It's going to allow corporates to have faster access um, to the data that's going to make their job um, more intelligent and more actionable in real time. Tracy, thanks. Real real time treasury is certainly uh, is certainly the way of the future. Paul, let's come back to you. Um, let's come back to your your comments about um, being more practical um, and um, bringing some of the uh, CFO concepts and connected treasurer concepts down to um, a practical level. What are the most important levels in that practical approach? I'm going to ask you that first. Yeah, and, and I think it all starts with data. So Tracy nailed it, that real-time data, the real-time data feed. And so uh, I'm going to answer in two ways, one from the accounts payable perspective, one from accounts receivable, you know, both rolling up to the CFO. Sometimes we talk about them, two distinct entities, you know, there's a payer and a recipient, but corporates, they both pay and, and make, they, they pay and get paid right. Um, so thinking from the AP side, um, Three things which you know, immediately came to mind is improving cash flow by monetizing payments. It's a bit buzzy, but let me dig in further. Uh, improving AP efficiency and, you know, the classic mitigating the risk of payment fraud. So diving into it, what does improving cash flow by monetizing payments mean? It's it's going back to what Tracy said. It's it's getting visibility from the data and from, from an AP perspective. It is helping customers, you know, Avoid late payment fees. So if, if you know where an invoice is held up or a payment's held up, you simply get an alert, for example. Um, some some customers we spoke to is like, oh, the invoice was sitting for approval in my queue for two weeks because we didn't get alerted. It was there. No one thought to ask. Um, so, so simple features and functionalities like that to avoid late payment fees, but also to capture early payment discounts. And what Tracy talked about was having that full visibility and, and when I think of that, it's like, I can model out, hey, if I make a payment early, I can get this early payment discount. Or do I want to keep that money in my bank to get more quote unquote float? Um, 
and uh, and if I if I make my payment early, can I get better payment terms in the future from my uh, from from my strategic vendors? Uh, second one from you know monetizing payments is kind of maximizing rebates uh, on on the digital payments. So from our perspective, you know about three fourths of our customers um, get fifty percent more rebates uh, after joining the network, and they come to us and think, oh man, I don't check payments. Um, I'm not, you know, what do you mean? Not just taking out costs, but I can get money back. So that that's a big thing, a big driver for accounts payable and CFOs love to see that, right? And so the second one is improving AP efficiency, or as I like to say, improving employee morale. Um, and this, this can mean two ways, right? So it's one is eliminating steps in the invoice to pay process. And that can, as I mentioned earlier, going from 15 steps to three steps. Uh, that's, that's super important. But one customer, um, she talked to me about, you know, we have nine FTEs today. We talked through about things we could uh, potentially help them with. Then at the end of it, she's like, wow, that would save us 79 hours a week. That's like two FTEs. Um, so what would you do those 79 hours? And her first response was, well, I wouldn't have to work night times anymore, um, which is great. And, and that's why I kind of said it, the, the employee morale angle. And the last one, of course, is um, mitigating the risk of fraud. So knowing um, the identity of, of who you're sending money to and having that vendor authentication of every single person on the network. So being able to trust um, your payment is going to the person you're supposed to be. But also when someone tries and spoofs you to send payment that you have a partner who, who, who can cap, who can um, catch that and prevent that from happening as well. So that's kind of like the, the AP side and the AR side, I think, is, um, is just as important. The top challenges that um, I heard and was listened to was slow payments. So how do I get paid faster? How do I reduce my DSL, my DSL is outstanding? Um, how do I improve my, you know, invoice to cash in the bank um, time? And so, you know, getting paid faster, I'd probably say, you know, six out of 10 conversations I had around it, accounts receivable talked about slow payments and, 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 and how do I get money in the bank faster? Second one just came up, probably about half the conversations was, um, you know, manual processes. How do I... Um, kind of the, the steps I have to take to get paid faster by moving out those slow, archaic processes, you know, the costly, error-prone processes. How, how do I advance my AR function? Like AP has went through transformation the last 10 years or so, how do I get my AR function uh, as well? And I think the, uh, the, the last two, you know, mitigating payments fraud, again, unsurprisingly, was in... And every conversation seemed like, and high volume of check payments. You know, I talked about taking the the cost out of payments, uh, check payments, on the AP side, but on the AR side, it is super manual as well. So that that lady who had seventy nine hours of savings in her AP department, it's on the AR department as well. It's a ton of time savings. We talk about embedded finance, the the connected CFO. It all comes back to you know data uh, driving this, and also digital transformation. You know, knowing where you are now 
and where you want to be is the hardest part, I think, of like really understanding your baseline and looking towards the future. And there's a ton of options to help you get there. And so, John, I think overall, from my perspective, I know we're going to end with Tracy, but from my perspective, AP was you know a great experience to get there, a ton of conversation about embedded finance, a ton of conversation about the connected CFO, all around um, digitizing things. And you know every conversation I had was moving beyond the headlines, getting into the practicalities and returns on investments and and how do I actually get there? Thanks, Paul. That's a great answer. Thank you very much. Um, Tracy, we're going to go to you for the last question in this podcast. Let's revisit the three things that were most important here, liquidity, speed, and data. How can a partner help address each one of these for corporates? Let's start with technology, and then I'll ask you to go to another two other areas. Sure, no problem. Thanks, John. Um, so as you recall, you know, we mentioned at, at the top of this conversation, um, liquidity is just vital to the to an organization, right? Managing it, um, being able to see it and be able to make quick decisions um, and be able to access all different areas of liquidity is just vital to an ongoing um, you know, ongoing business continuity from from a financial perspective, um, and it's also vital in terms of being able to achieve that agile uh, and you know agile reaction or preparedness for for the for any volatility or the next crisis, as we mentioned. Um, part of being able to do that um, is really speed and data. And that's why all of those three things come together, right? You have to be able to react quickly to liquidity. Um, you have to be able to make decisions quickly um, from a liquidity decision-making perspe decision perspective. And of course, in order to do all of those things, you need data, right? And supporting all of those is, is technology, as you mentioned. So a technology partner, should be focused on delivering an experience to corporates that actually pace with the stages of the corporate's transformation strategy and their priorities, right? Um, one of the, the themes that, that has come out, you know, not just at AFP, but one of the things that we're always seeing is this, this notion of hyper-automation being out, right? And intelligence and integration being in. It's no longer sufficient just to automate, right? To be to move from manual processes to technology. Um, it's the silos that will prevent real-time liquidity management, real-time treasury management. It's the silos of different systems that will keep uh, data segregated and prevent corporates from being able to achieve that comprehensive visibility and intelligence. So from a technology perspective, um, in order to support this real-time liquidity and enable the, the timing and the data integration, it really has to be um, a, a unified approach, that ecosystem that, that we've been talking about. So that's the type of model that, um, that technology providers should be investing in and should be um, directing their, their innovation towards. All right. Thank you, Tracy. That's a wrap. That's the rise of the Connected Financial Officer, our payments podcast. Uh, I would like to thank Tracy Kentrowitz, Vice President of Marketing for Treasury at Bottom Line. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you to Paul McMeekin, VP Solutions Marketing and Channel Enablement at Bottom Line. Um, we, uh, it, it, was a, it was a great session, a, a, a thorough uh, 
thorough report from AFP and uh, a lot of perspective on how the connected financial officer um, is changing. Thanks for listening. Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.